Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Star Wars Ahsoka. Anger and frustration are quick to give power, but they also unbalance you. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Star Wars Ahsoka Part 3, titled Time to Fly, directed by Steph Green. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we all fly through a pod of space whales, let me introduce you to my Rebel crew. Joining me today, first up, docking down, declaring droid in dank pendants, he's Darcy the Dank Dathomirian Hudson. Hello, hello. What's up? (laughs) I often wonder, with all your hair, I know that listeners can't see it, but do you have little horns under there? Like little Dathomirian little horns? No. No. Just, just hair. I, I am a human. You've checked. I mean, you've double checked. I'd like to think I have it's my head. <laughs> well, you should look into it because joining alongside you, uh, he's the ki- he's kind-hearted like Kanan, but just like Sabine, he's got to keep up with his training. He's Kevin the Hu Yang hugging Hudson. Heyo. Hey. Very you've been excited. Hugging, to- you've been hugging Hu Yang. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he keeps telling me I'm a terrible hugger, how bad I am (laughs) at it, but uh, that's par for the course with him. Yeah, yeah. You're just the worst hugger that's ever hugged. Uh, He's never been hugged by anybody worse. (laughs) No, apparently not. He'd be really cold. Like He's cold, and he's also cold physically, you know what I mean? But he has four arms, right? He can have four arms, so he'd be a hell of a hugger if he, like, just lightened up a little. (laughs) Just a little bit. Uh, In this episode... Uh, you know, we see Ahsoka training Sabine. Before we get in, before we dive in, I wanted to ask uh, both of you: Have either of you ever had any formal fight training? I know Kevin, you're huge into wrestling. Did you ever? Did you ever dive into like taking that on in any semi-professional, even a hobby way of any kind? Uh, I knew. Uh, from a very young age that uh, physical altercations were not my style <laughs> um, and certainly not wrestling. That is a lot more painful than I think uh, a lot of people give it credit for. They're, uh, you yeah. know, while it's staged, it's still a lot of bumping around and uh, that is just not my cup of tea. I did take karate as a, oh. uh, a, young, a young man. I got my yellow belt, so I did graduate from white belt, which is, I think, basically, if you show up for eight, classes you're gonna get that yellow belt <laughs> it's like yeah it's the participation badge of karate yeah. so you got your uh, collector's I, item and then you yeah did. exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly i love it darcy how about yourself uh, i mean outside of a, a like a single karate class as an elective growing up nope not Nothing. here again no. same i'm not much for physical altercations unless it's happening in in the confines of like a lacrosse court or something like that because i will go hard in lacrosse but it's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think us, I think I'm, us Hudsons are lovers, not fighters. I was just about to say I think we're all lovers or runners. We run away. Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's one of those things that I always thought was so incredibly 
cool from a distance. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hearing about seeing kids and they've they got their geese on and they're always, you know, they you see them coming on uh, off the bus or whatever. And you're just like, oh, those kids are so cool. But I think just like yourself, Kevin, like from a very early age, I, it just I think for me, it was like the commitment that it would take. You know what I mean? Like I recognize that even as a little kid. And now now that I'm older, I think, you know, I, again, I appreciate from a distance, but I love all those videos those beautiful, cute, heartwarming videos of those like little kids, and you, there's this one little kid, and he's crying, and he can't chop the wood with his foot or his hand or anything, and all the other kids are like cheering him on, and then eventually he does it, and I'm I'm not fully convinced that it's not just the his teacher like breaking <laughs> breaking it at the exact right time, but still, it's still freaking cool. It's so cute. You can't tell him that, right? We can't spoil that. That's like that's like you know some Santa Claus Easter Bunny spoilers here. You know, it's yeah. the same thing. I will say, though, I will say, after watching Cobra Kai these last few years, I'm going to pull like a a Paul Walter Hauser stingray from the show and just be like, you know, (laughs) 30-something-year-old in the class full of young adults and teens and stuff, you know. And still get your ass whooped. No, I'll be like Kramer in that episode of Seinfeld where he's beating the yeah. crap out of all the kids, you know? And Jerry's just like, this is the karate class you've been dominating? So good. So good. Oh, man. But, yeah, you have to have a lot of dedication, and it's such a badass sport. Um, and I just don't think I had that dedication or patience when I was when I was younger. Uh, but I'm stoked to get into this week's episode, uh, and we can talk a lot more about uh, uh, Sabine's training uh, but I do want to pause to remind you listening that we here at Geekcentric support the WGA and sag after as they strike to get the contract they deserve. Without incredible writers and actors, we wouldn't get all the wonderful stories like the ones from a galaxy far, far away that we love so much. So if you want to support the actors and writers of the things we love, you can do so by checking out the links in our description. Now, let's get into part three titled Time to Fly. They fly now. Uh, that's not actually, it's just time time to fly. Uh, we open this week with yet again, some fantastic music from my second favorite Kevin in the world. Uh, Kevin Kiner to, uh, to see Ahsoka. Uh, she's kind of like walking into the, the dojo that I guess there was a table there, but I guess it goes into the ground, which is amazing. I wish my kitchen was as versatile. Uh, and, uh, and she walks in and she sees Sabine training with Hu Yang. Hu Yang, he's he's calling out different form positions one after the other as we see Sabine striking in different directions with her her Boken training saber. Uh, Hu Yang critiques her strikes as not bad, but not good. Ahsoka recommends that they try Zatochi, despite Hu Yang's recommendation that Sabine isn't ready. Sabine continues by attempting to sense Ahsoka's movement uh, while having her eyes covered. Um, and while, she, while we do see a little bit of progress, Sabine gets frustrated uh, and Ahsoka moves, allowing Sabine to trip and fall to the ground. Uh, and Ahsoka reminds Sabine to refrain from pr- frustration uh, and says, let's go again. Um, so, Darcy, what did you think of Ahsoka's training here? And why do you think Hu Yang, you know, he's not giving, he's, he's, he's being mean about the hugs, he's being mean about the training. Why do you think he's being so harsh on Sabine, especially after encouraging her last week? I, I think it just comes down to the fact that he's a droid and it's his programming. I mean, he's trained <laughs> so many Jedi so many times. He just, they're logical. He tells it as it is. No need to sugarcoat it or hide anything. That's mm. just, that's just what droids are. So, it doesn't surprise me how cold he is. I do like the fact that 
it's kind of almost like Luke. Luke was very late into you know entering his Jedi training, and where he was talented in the Force, he almost like, like he had to st- take a step back for Sabine, who doesn't have that connection. We always need to like almost force it to to manifest in some way. So I really enjoyed that aspect. It was it was cool to see wooden tra- training swords being used in a galaxy far far away. Felt very <laughs> again samurai, like a lot of this series has felt. It's really going back to the roots that made you know, George Lucas want to tell the story of, of, you know, lightsaber wielding wizards. So it's really neat. Well, it's funny because the, the, I went back and I, I rewatched that sequence from a new hope where he is training with Obi-Wan. And it's just funny because like, he gets it like pretty much almost right away. Like I think he gets shot once. He's like, ow. And he's like, trust your feelings or whatever. And then he just gets it right away. And I'm just like, uh, you know, again, they, they only had a certain amount of runtime with that movie. Uh, maybe Luke is just inherently significantly uh, more powerful in the Force even at that point. Um, but, Kevin, what were your thoughts kind of with this sequence? Uh, I mean, I have so many now that you've brought some stuff up. First of all, yes, a, a dining table that folds into the ground when you're not using it is brilliant. Yes! Somebody get on that right <laughs> away. Um and yeah, the, the, the callback to uh, A New Hope was very, very cool. This episode has quite a few of those moments that harken back to previous uh, elements uh, in the series. My question actually comes more to you guys in that, again, because I'm not familiar with Rebels um, like you you two gentlemen are. Uh, I had was on, under the assumption that Sabine was farther along in her training than she's presented to be here especially considering she was l- learning to use something like the dark saber. So are you bothered that they they it's almost like they're resetting her a little for casual fans like me who didn't get to see those elements of rebels. Yeah, we we kind of talked about this um in in the previous watch club of just the kind of idea that like you know she 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 did train with Kanan. Um it, you know, I think the the fact that she was blinded uh for this exercise was not only an homage to uh to you know the events of a new hope with luke but also to kanan uh and and him being blinded by uh darth maul at the end of uh season two of rebels but i think i think the the big thing with this is that you know she's she's been away from this for such a long time she's she's seemingly very sort of She's lax. She she hasn't been keeping up with her training. Again, it is something that um, you know. I think at some point in this episode, Ahsoka talks about the idea that like you need to have that patience. You need to have that right. And and especially here, um, you know, and when she's fighting with Shin, I think a lot of it was on instinct uh, and and not so much focus. And she's you know you can tell that she's you know easily frustrated uh and that's that's an interesting aspect about Sabine in general and I mean I think even going back to watching Rebels there's moments where we really do see her her frustrations and her emotions uh drive uh and and at that point in time it it appears that she's more skillful uh but in reality maybe she's not also in Rebels uh Kanan wasn't really training her to be a Jedi he was she was still a Mandalorian he was just training her how to use this this weapon of the the Darksaber yeah so I feel like that is where the disconnect is where Ahsoka saw the potential for a Jedi in this Mandalorian and, and maybe it's because she is Mandalorian. She, this frustration is coming through because they are such prideful warriors. It's hard to look past their own skill and into this, you know, mystical force for guidance when they, when their whole creed is built upon personal skill and personal, you know, ex- talent with a weapon and everything like that. So it's it's really cool to again see this a Mandalorian's journey almost through the the Jedi way. Okay, that that definitely clears things up for me again, and that's why like, you know something like this is so uh, invaluable to 
not just you know <laughs> our listeners, but to sometimes to us. For um, sure. And I just wanted to make one final point on the scene uh, as it relates to Hu Yang. Um, I th- I totally agree with Darcy. It is that droid programming. Like if you want a, a, a complimentary droid, that's that's you got to program that right. Who's, oh, mm-hmm. nice dress, nice whatever. You know. Um, but I also think he knows what he's doing. I think mm. he is. He's pushing Sabine. He's, you know, it, it, like she's at a stage where she needs to get going here. If she's going to be any use to them, she needs to learn quickly. And sugarcoating it ain't going to do that, right? He's pushing her to to almost, uh, you know, supersede or exceed beyond what she's probably capable of doing in the short time that they have. So I think he, he's smarter than, uh, you know, just uh, his programming would allow. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I think. You know, I think uh, I even really dug that he, I didn't know, d- has he always had forearms, Darcy? Uh, have we seen him with forearms before? I, I, we've never seen him training like that. He's right. always been involved in the building of lightsabers, so it's pretty cool that he has lightsaber training function as well. So dope, so dope. I think even just the fact that there's training gear on Ahsoka's ship, I mean, I think it kind of shows that she's never fully abandoned the idea of, you know, training Sabine, uh, or maybe even other Jedi, though she never she never took on Grogu, and I'm wondering if, because at the time we were kind of all wondering, like, yeah, she, he, sure, it'd be uh, cool. He, you know, maybe Grogu gets trained by someone else, and eventually we learn that he's he's going to be trained by Luke. But I, you know, at the time it was kind of that really weird question of like, well, why doesn't Ahsoka train him? Like, why is she so against teaching him? Uh, and I think this series is kind of giving us the answer to that. Is is that she had that falling out with Sabine? We still don't know exactly why, um, but she had that falling out with Sabine, and so maybe. She didn't want to have that same failure uh, with Grogu uh, and and then brought him to Luke instead. Um, I did think that this sequence, did, I, I felt like it kind of went on a tad a little bit too long for my liking. Um, I think I made the cardinal sin uh, as a fan of seeing how long the episode was prior to clicking play. Uh, and so with only 30 minutes uh, long, you know, minus minus credits, like... I, I just was like, okay, let's go. Like, okay, okay, cool. This is awesome. And the music, I think, was keeping me there. I was so it was it's so, and the audio mixing as well. Um, I think was fantastic. The way that they had Ahsoka uh, on the left side, but then she's actually on the right. Like, if you listen to this with surround sound or headphones, it is trippy the way that they do it, and it's it's to give you the same sensation that Sabine is having in that moment, uh, which I thought was really cool. I do want to just shout out. The use of the name uh, Zatochi uh, as a reference to Zatoichi, uh, which I, I, you know, kind of saw online some people talking about that he's the blind swordsman of Japanese legend in a lot of sort of Japanese films. And I think it's just a wonderful way to pay homage not only to the 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 situation that she's in with the with you know having her be blind, but the inspirations behind Star Wars, behind mm-hmm. Je- uh, the Jedi, uh, and there's a few inspirations to our real world history uh, in this episode that I really appreciated. It could also be you know a bit of a, a nod to uh, what's his name from Rogue One, Chirrut. Oh yeah, Chirrut Imwe. Chirrut Imwe, right? Who is who is far more about you know the instincts and everything than he is the uh, a true connection to the force, uh, so it's it's almost very multi layered. It seems I love mm-hmm. that call out, Kevin. Oh, Chiridimwe was so awesome, and I'm just thinking about that sequence when he's I am one with the force and the force is with me, and he's just walking <laughs> through, and the bombs are going off. Oh, I want to watch Rogue One again. Um, 
I, I think the only other thing I wanted to mention really quick, because I know we're going as long as the scene was, um, I think that for a second, d- it, did it feel like to you guys for that one moment when she does that turn uh, that Sabine was accessing some semblance of the force there? Um, because I, I can't believe that she is fully devoid of the force because she does come from House Vizsla, uh, which means she's probably descended from Tar Vizsla, uh, mm-hmm. who created the Dark Saber and was force sensitive. So there's something in the line of her DNA that might give her the ability to have some untapped potential in the force. Yeah, I think it's really cool is the fact that Ahsoka is putting the time and effort into training someone who is so devoid because it's almost like this anyone can do it with enough practice type thing. Like the force is in everyone that that's the connection to it that is natural or, or trained. So it's, it's really cool that we're getting that aspect where it's not an innate talent. It is something that anyone in this galaxy could work towards with enough training and dedication. So I love that idea. Yeah. We don't have to worry about midi chlorine count anymore. Yeah, I mean, on that, I think, <laughs> seriously, I think honestly though, like I love Qui-Gon, but I do think that um, episode eight um, you know, The Last Jedi, one of the best Star Wars films. Um, I do really think that the even though I, as campy as the broom boy thing was, I think the coolest thing about that is it sets up the idea that the Force is more than what we know it is. Mm-hmm. And the Force can be accessed by, by more than just Jedi. And we've seen this, right? We've seen this with other characters having the ability to access the Force that aren't exactly uh, Jedi. And so I think that would be... I think the, the, the more that they grow the, the uh, amount of characters that can access the Force, the stranger and the cooler abilities that can come out of the Force. We're already seeing this with the Night Sisters, with Morgan Elsbeth, uh, and, and the ability to kind of mold the Force into something slightly different than just dark or light side. Uh, and I think that's really, really cool. Or even just, even just the concept of dark and light, the ability to sort of change, like, what does, you know, can you use the dark side for good uh, in different ways. And I'm really excited to see them explore that going forward. I mean, that's what I've been excited about for this whole series is how it was other Force things. So <laughs> three episodes are catching up to me now, Nate. <laughs> Let's go. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, we, we see a cluster of A-wing fighters fly past a New Republic uh, group of ships. And on board, we see Hera attend a hollow meeting with none other than Chancellor Mon Mothma. Every time I say Chancellor, I want to say Palpatine. Chancellor Mon Mothma uh, and a group of senators, one of them being Hamato Ziono. Uh, we'll get back to that in a moment. During the meeting, Mon Mothma greets Hera and asks uh, about Hera's son, Jason. Ziono reminds Mothma that they need to move this meeting along. They're already late. Uh, Hera informs one of them, or sorry, Hera informs all of them uh, that the Imperial outliers at the Sante shipyards on Corellia uh, attacked her. And Senator Rodrigo calls out the fact that they have former Imperials working through at every level of the New Republic government, and that they've taken—they've all taken oaths of loyalty. So it's fine, okay? They cross their fingers. They hope to die, uh, and they're, they're not going to hurt anyone. Apparently, Hera lands a sick burn by saying, "Long live the Empire." Doesn't sound like the kind of loyalty we're looking for, okay, bitch? Uh, Hera tells them that she believes Thrawn is alive, uh, and that his allies are working on a way to find him. Uh, she requests approval to send a task force to the Denab system, Uh, but Ziono and some of the other senators speculate that Hera only wants these resources to lead a personal quest to find her friend Ezra, and they could be better used for the fledgling, uh, you know, new... Uh, Republic. Uh, Ziono claims Ezra died with Thrawn, and after Hera gets visibly upset, 
Mon Mothma asks for a moment to speak with her colleagues. Okay, so Kevin, Mon Mothma is now a chancellor. Um, and, and yet there are still Imperials working throughout every level of the New Republic. Do you think that there may even be a chance that there might be one or two uh, on that council meeting surrounding Mon Mothma? Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. uh, like, I mean, even it could even be so obvious as being uh, Ziono, because hasn't he been teased as, you know, I believe even in resistance. Hey, there he is. They suggest that he might be working for the first order, right? That guy just he doesn't he seems like bad news to me left, right, and center. Um, I just want to give a shout to Genevieve O'Reilly. Is that uh, yeah, Genevieve close? O'Reilly? Yeah. yeah. Genevieve uh, yeah. like for scoring the best gig in Star Wars history because this is what her fifth project now that she's got to be this character like that's sweet man yeah short of anthony daniels you know that's a pretty big exactly yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty big get for sure um i yeah she oh, mon mothma and especially as chancellor like you just i don't know you'd think with everything we'd seen in andor so far that she would be destined for a worse fate but clearly she survives, and I'm so excited. I think Genevieve O'Reilly was fantastic in the scene, and it just got me so stoked to go back to Andor and continue with Andor Season 2, see you know, maybe how she starts her campaign to become Chancellor of the New Republic. Um, I think it's just a really awesome setup. Well, I mean, remember, she's working with um, the Rebellion in New Hope, right? Different actress at that point, but you know, like For the sure. character clearly does okay through Andor. At least I, I'm sure we'll see her go into hiding and and really fund the the rebellion uh, in season two of Andor, but she comes out like you said on the, the the right side of things, which is great. All her hard work pays off. I just for me, I was like, I don't know why, but somewhere in my mind, I was like, okay, so she's leading the rebels in a new hope. Maybe she gets out of the politics game, but she is very much in the politics game. Mm -hmm. uh, Darcy, what did you think of this meeting uh, between Hera and the Senators? Well, again, this is where Hera feels more like the the Rebels Hera that I know, where it's not interacting with anyone she interacted with in the past. It's with these new... Her, her position as general, you can really feel that she does have a lot of weight on her shoulders trying to guide this new Republic in the right direction. And while it does sound like they're, she's jumping at ghosts, it is a very real threat. So it's very cool to see where she stands in this new Republic and how there is still so much internal struggle trying to agree on what to do and everything like that so it's it's a very insightful uh moment into what what that was going on with politics and everything like that right now so i thought it was really cool and again we got that first jason mentioned so she's not the worst mom after all she does <laughs> she does care about her son <laughs> yeah and i mean it's kind of nice to see that mon mothma also cares yes, about the, jason as the well. mother in mon mothma reached out to the mother in <laughs> hair and was like how is jason i love that yeah so. and it's nice too because you know that they're they're closer together than just their jobs yes. right and i think I think that's really really lovely and i like that i like that little addition that little moment um i you know i gotta say justin has uh, mentioned in a previous watch clubs and in the review that he's been loving Hera so far i've uh, personally i've not been fully convinced mm -hmm. on mary elizabeth winstead i will say this scene pushed that forward for me i think the way 100%. that she absolutely wrecks uh, you know, Ziono with that line, like, just you, you just sat back and waited to see who came out on top. Like, so that's very Hera for me. I think that really, you know, seeing her describe the deaths of her family like Kanan and the emotion in her voice, I was like, this is Hera. This is the general. This is the leader 
uh, that I was expecting to see Hera mm-hmm. at this point in her life. Mm-hmm. And I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead did an excellent job capturing that here. And I really hope that that's kind of the vibe we get from her going forward. Yeah, this is this is the um, not the only character in this episode. Again, even with my limited uh, exposure to Rebels, this isn't the first character or only character in this episode where I'm like, see, that seems more familiar to, mm-hmm. to what I'm used to. Uh, but we'll obviously get into that as we carry on. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, as far as Imperials being in every level of the New Republic, definitely doesn't come as a surprise. I mean, Mando Season 3, Dr. Pershing, that entire episode was was basically what, what we've been kind of seeing that, you know, that was that's also been being brought up in this series yet again. It just shows how loose and fast the New Republic is playing its cards right now, uh, you know, so that the Empire can rise back up. Uh, Zen- Senator Ziono... Um, Yes, absolutely, Kevin. You caught him. He's from Star Wars Resistance. Awesome to see that we've got a Star Wars Resistance character coming into live action. It's just, it's that proof in the pudding that Filoni's just going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that stuff matters too, okay? Like, because even, even for, I know, Darcy, you and I have talked about this in the past. Resistance hasn't, I've not fully even dived into Resistance, and we're huge fans of the animated series. So it's just, yeah. it's one of those ones where, again, that one did definitely skew I think even younger than than we would have liked. Um, but now that that now that this is kind of being part of the canon, it kind of makes me want to go back and watch it because he is father of Kazuda Ziono, who is the main character of Star Wars Resistance. And yeah, he's definitely tied to Thrawn. He's got to be. He's got to be. He he calls the Resistance in in Star Wars Resistance. He calls them extremists. Uh, and there's a huge animosity between him and his son. So I think something's going to go down that won't exactly paint him as a full villain because he is still a senator by resistance. Um, but, I, I, you know, he's going to be on that side for sure, for sure. Okay, let's get to the part that we've all been waiting for. The biggest reveal, bigger than any whales you could imagine. Jason runs up to his mom and asks her if it's true that his aunt Sabine is going to be a Jedi, claiming Chopper told him. Uh, you know, he then exclaims, I want to be a Jedi, and Hera longingly, look, look, longingly looks at him saying, yeah, I know you do, Jason. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of our, our first, uh, you know, reintroduction to Jason uh, and seeing him in live action as well as his aspirations to become a Jedi? See, I mean, for me personally, would have had no idea he even existed, but Darcy <laughs> and I were talking you know, the day of the episode coming out and he was lamenting about how there's no mention what a terrible mother she must be, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and so I did get a small thrill for Darcy that she did, or that he did finally make an appearance. I was like, yeah, so he's like, you know him? I'm like, no, it's a long story. Uh, but yeah, so I was happy for Darcy to see him for sure. There you go. Darcy, Jason's yeah. here. I mean, I was just, I just wanted to know he still existed. And that, that wasn't just a, a, like a fever dream of Sabine at the end of Rebels. So yeah. it's really cool to see that. And the, the fact that he does, he wants to be a Jedi. That's really cool. And, and again, maybe that plays into something later on with Luke or even Ahsoka. I don't know. But the fact that there's clearly, Hera doesn't want him to, fight, wants him to fight and is probably okay with that. But fighting as much as being a Jedi maybe is going too far for her. And I, you can kind of see that you can in the tell. scene. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, very interesting. There, there's a whole can of worms opened up there, but we didn't really. We just scratched the surface of it with this scene. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bringing attention to the fact that when Jason says, "I want to be a Jedi," Hera doesn't say, "And you will be one day, like your father or something like that." She mm-hmm. says, "She says, yeah, I know you do. Like, shut up. I already know. <laughs> stop, stop reminding me, uh, because I feel like." 
you know, like you just mentioned, like her past losing Kanan, you know, I think that might do something that might cause her to want to shield Jason from a similar, uh, you know, future. And I think falling in line with some of the themes uh, of sort of the idea that, you know, the fears from our past are holding us back in the present. Uh, and I like that. I think that's that's a really interesting thing to mirror with Ahsoka. And her fear of failure uh, may have been what kept her from continuing her training with Sabine. Yeah, I hope that uh, Hera continues to be a helicopter mom in this regard and, like, keep her out of Luke's school. Like, if he ends up classmates with Kylo Ren, that's bad news, <laughs> oh, Bears, yeah. man. So stay away. Yeah, yeah. His green hair will just be on fire. Uh, speaking of his green hair, just really quickly before we move on, I just want to say I love how his hair covers his ears. So they didn't have to, like, confirm Do or deny what <laughs> he had the weird little <laughs> elf ears. Um, he looks so much like young Ezra. Uh, with the long hair like I was just like this is this is looking very much like the long hair Ezra uh, I love that he calls Sabine Aunt Sabine I think that's just the whole family of it all is so beautiful uh, and uh, and I love that he has it's either Kanan's pauldron or just like a mini version of Kanan's pauldron with the same sigil on his shoulder mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was just lovely lovely uh, okay, over tea, Sabine expresses her frustration and her hopes that the urgency of their situation could expedite her training. Ahsoka reminds her that it doesn't work like that and that the Force resides in all living things, even her. But talent is a factor uh, and, that the training, uh, and that training and focus are what truly defines someone's success. We see Sabine attempt to move a cup, but she's unable to. Ahsoka argues with Hu Yang about Sabine's ability as she claims she doesn't want her to become a Jedi. She just wants her to be herself. They then learn that Hera won't be joining them with backup as the Senate committee would not approve the mission. Hera's communication is jammed as they enter the Denab system, uh, and as they approach the planet, an unknown, uh, as well as an unknown large vessel, two squadrons of three crafts led by Shin Hati and Marak uh, begin their attack and chase. The dogfight continues as Ahsoka and Hera finally work together to take out some of the additional fighters. They close in on the Eye of Sion, and just as Hu Yang successfully scans the ship, uh, Morgan Elsbeth fires one last blast and hits them, disabling Hu Yang and the entire ship as they float through the hyperspace ring. Um, so, Darcy, what did you think of this dogfight and Ahsoka's change in tactics when it comes to working with Sabine? I feel like this is probably the most appropriate starfight to call a dogfight because those those fighters look straight like Spitfires. They're World from, War II. Like, World War II. Yeah, man. Even so they're down to the engine sick. sound. I yeah. love that aspect of it. It was great. Uh, and again, just the way that they ended up working together, that that was like Kevin was saying, where it felt more like the characters we know from Rebels and stuff like that. The teamwork that was inherently there, not being like, oh, just figure it out as you're flying. It's like, okay, no, tell me what I need to do to help you. It was, I love that give and take that they eventually found their way to. And but again, the the, the stealing, the shining moment from this this episode though has got to be those the Spitfire fighters because they were incredible. <laughs> super cool, super cool. Kev, is that what you're riding around in a galaxy far, far away? Oh, like those a hot are, rod my, version. Those are my favorite new vehicles in a long, long time in Star Wars. Those were awesome. Um, and I'll just say, um, you know, here's another throwback to New Hope. I was so expecting Ahsoka after Sabine got the first one to just be like, "Don't get cocky," um, <laughs> yes. you know, like it was. Uh, but again, there's just another cool homage to to New Hope without overdoing it, in my opinion. 
Absolutely. And I think we even got sort of like to me, those ships also gave me a little bit of Revenge of the Sith vibes. Um, I love that uh, Shin Hati has the same comms headset uh, as Anakin does in mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith. You know, this is where the fun begins. Uh, and I love that, you know, those little doses of nostalgia, I think, are really good. And I love the fact that it's under her bangs because she's got that sick hairstyle and she doesn't want to ruin it. Uh, it's just very <laughs> again, it's just I love it. It's very um, Padawan. Um, and. Yeah, I think, you know, the moment that you're, we were kind of talking about where, uh, Darcy, you mentioned Ahsoka finally realizes she has to work together with Sabine. You can see it, in, and kudos to Rosario Dawson for, again, giving some wonderful face acting here um, because you can literally see the moment that it clicks for her and she realizes she needs to work with Sabine, with Sabine specifically, to further her training. And I think, you know, they, they, they pull off that move where they line up all the ships and Sabine takes one out. Uh, and, yeah, she does the kind of the, the Luke Skywalker, like, I did it, you know, and, and then... You know, uh, Ahsoka just says, like, great job. And I, I think if they can keep up, you know, this version of training, I think this is to kind of show the idea that, you know, Hu Yang is, is a phenomenal teacher, but maybe his methods don't work for Sabine. He's two by the books. Yes. Whereas Ahsoka is in that gray area. She doesn't want Sabine to be a Jedi. She just wants her to be herself. I think I think that really, really works really well. And I hope I hope that they can keep that up because this was a this was a really nice moment of character development for both of them. And it shows that Ahsoka can still trust Sabine even after she lost the star map. So I think that's mm -hmm. really, really lovely. Uh, okay, so Unable to get the ship working in time, Sabine focuses on uh, repairing it while Ahsoka walks out onto the wing uh, of the ship with her sabers in hand. She flips as she avoids the first attempted attack, and then they double back. When, when the ships double back, she flips again, striking one and destroying it with one blow. Uh, as she floats away from the ship, Sabine manages to collect her, uh, and the two continue their escape flying into the atmosphere on CTOS. So, uh, you know, we got some huge physical mo you know, things coming up in a moment. But before we get to that, what did you guys think of this phenomenal space you know out out of the, the cockpit space fight with ahsoka with lightsabers kevin what you know where was your mind well like now ahsoka is having fun yes like, here we go she's been so dour and so serious for all of her live action existence that to see her kind of loosen up lighten up it, it feels very uh much like her younger version before all the shit that happened in her life kind of <laughs> yes. brought her down. Like she's and like, again, I think it happened in that dog fight where, you know, it clicked for her and she's realizing what's going on. But like that moment, that, oh. that, that, that the scene on the wing, it could have been so cheesy. It could have just, it, it, it had no reason to work. It was so like cartoony and yet somehow they made it work in live action. And like, that's just, such a testament to how, like, they just know what they're doing here. And, and it was very much like they brought the cartoon elements. Like, I could totally see that happening in Clone Wars or Rebels. Mm -hmm. And the the fact that they pulled it off in live action, and it was so fun and so cool. Like, this whole sequence from, from the time they get out of hyperspace to here is just, like, unbelievable. It's the most fun we've had in live action in a long, long time, I think. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's like Kevin was saying, she's having fun. It felt very much like an Anakin thing to do, being like, okay, Obi-Wan, you fix the ship. I'm going to go out and deal with it yes. and do it my own way. Like, the, again, that reliance on your partner to, to 
you know, figure out anything you can't. Like, she clearly had no plan after taking out that ship just floating through space. It's just like, is it working? Okay, now come get me, please. Like, <laughs> this, is, so this is where you need to do your end of the bargain. And just that whole, even just the pickup, that was so cool like they again like i said since they dropped out of hyperspace this whole segment was was just so fun and so star wars it, i really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah i think ahsoka's suit was uh a little goofy looking um i got saiyan vibes from it, it just saiyan power armor <laughs> yeah. is all oh, i could yeah, think <laughs> totally with the white and blue um i think her floating through space was a little goofy but i think it's just you know the the yeah the slicing through uh, the 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 ship in doing the flip in the same way that Ray did uh, in Rise of Skywalker, I thought was just so freaking cool. Holy crap! Um, I don't I didn't care if any of it actually made any physical sense whatsoever. Like, why would she float? It doesn't. I don't care. The force. It doesn't matter. The force. It doesn't <laughs> matter. That's just how the force works. Uh, and I just think it was way too cool to to even think about questioning it. Um, and it's awesome because I'm pretty sure Ahsoka's mentor. Um, not her her master, but her mentor Plo Koon, uh, I think did the same thing in an episode of Clone Wars where he was slicing through a ship as well mm-hmm. with a saber. So again, you can sort of see these inspirations, you know, coming to her. And I think that goofiness, like you were saying, Kevin, this is the most Rebels and Clone Wars that we've gotten out of this series. And it's funny because as far as sorry, um, as far as characters are concerned, I think the world and everything else was very much, you know, in the look, but I think this as far as the the actual character development and the way the characters are acting, this was very Snips Ahsoka. Um mm-hmm. and you know, you've got her saying, "Have you fixed the ship yet?" as she's floating by. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's silly, but I'm all for it. Um and I feel like some of the minor complaints that I had with with Ahsoka and her chemistry with Sabine in the first two episodes, they're starting to be addressed with this mm-hmm. moment. And I hope we get more moments like this. I feel that the series has a real opportunity to balance that line of seriousness like the political side of Andor, like the stuff we were seeing with that Mon Mothma scene, uh, and some of the silliness of Book of Boba Fett and Mando and some of the animated stuff. But I, you know, hopefully I think that I think they've got the ability to do a better job than uh, Vespa scooters uh, <laughs> in Book of Boba Fett. Please don't bring that back ever again. Uh, oh, I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> oh, so I, I had forgotten, forgotten about it, and now it's right back. I'm yeah, so, Kevin, Kevin, the cool World War II ships. Just think about those. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Ahsoka doesn't have to be so stiff and so stoic all the time. So, yeah, more snips. Uh, and and more of her, you know, kind of growing and getting getting closer to Sabine, uh, I think will be awesome. Uh, but with that, let's get to the hype, okay? With Shin and Marak hot on their tail, Ahsoka and Sabine fly towards the clouds when suddenly a massive pod of Purgle fly toward them. Using the Purgle's massive size, they manage to escape and, and fly through them, and it's oh, they're going to get hit by the tentacles, but they don't. Uh, and they escape, and they land on the planet's surface in a red tree forest. They shut down power until they hear Shin and Morak fly overhead. Uh, and then after powering back on, Sabine mentions how she hasn't seen Purgle uh, since the day. She says these creatures. I don't know if she at that point she knows they're called Purgle, but um, she says she hasn't seen them since the day Ezra disappeared. Hu Yang lets them know from his scans uh, that the construction of the hyperspace ring, uh, the Eye of Sion, is not yet complete, but that when it is, 
Uh, it will be capable of traversing a jump of astonishing speed and distance. He mentions the Jedi archives speak of hyperspace lanes between galaxies that follow the migra- migration paths of Purgle. Uh, and, uh, and then at the very end of the episode, at the structure we saw in episode two, we see Balin informing his soldiers that the Jedi have taken refuge in the soldier. Uh, sorry, in the, <laughs> the, that, that the Jedi have taken refuge in the forest. Uh, and as the music swells, uh, he says, hunt them down. Darcy, we, we, we're we here. This is somehow, somehow even bigger than seeing Jason for the first time. We got Purgle. Uh, and uh, and let's talk about them in all their majesty. What did you think of these big space whales? Well, I think one of the, my favorite parts about the, the introduction of Purgle to live action was the fact that we got probably the most like fantasy packed score oh, during yeah. this little flight scene, like the swells in the music oh. and the, the epicness they were portraying as they're just experiencing this massive pot of na- like force defying nature, like natural beings. Like it's so crazy. I just love how they, they, they really up the scale and the majesty of these creatures with that, that music. But again, I think this, this Sabine flying through here is again, one of those moments of her tapping into the force because we know the force is lends itself to great pilots. That's mm-hmm. kind of why Luke was so good at what he was doing without ever having sat behind a starship before he, he instantly picked it up. But Sabine's way to like use the pergles, fly through the tentacles and just kind of get the upper hand. There was clearly the force kind of guiding her through the pergles. I loved it. It was such a cool little sequence. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's kind of, um, you know, she's flying through these tentacles in a way, this is her using her, her, you know, trusting in her senses, right? She's yes. trusting the fact that they're not going to crush her. She's, she's connecting with these, these beings, maybe without even fully being aware that she is connecting with mm-hmm. them. There's a moment when she flies by one of their eyes and it just a big eye and it looks in and there's almost like this sort of idea of like, okay, are they somehow connected in that moment, and I think there's a greater force connection that she isn't even aware of, um, and and I just I love it. I hope this isn't the last that we've seen of them in this series. We got the tease in Mandalorian, and now we're finally seeing them here. The sounds were perfect. The look of them was was beautiful, um, and I like the thing that I love about Purgle in general is that the the idea of the the Jedi Bendu of the idea that. That again, as we were kind of talking about earlier, of the the Force being adapted in different ways, the ways that the that the Jedi and the Sith have sort of skewed the concepts of the light side of the Force and the dark side of the Force, and how if you're on the light side, you're good, and if you're on you got the dark side, you're bad. I love the idea that the Force is just a, a thing of nature, and I love that the Purgle completely embody the idea of force of nature and then that they are sort of one of the most natural force beings uh, in the world, in this galaxy uh, is so lovely. But Kevin, we're, you know, us, us two, you know, rebels heads are over here kicking it, talking about the purgle. Um, what were, what, you know, what was your thoughts seeing uh, the purgle uh, for the first time in live action in this series? I don't know if I'm still, I, I still don't know if I'm quite sold on the <laughs> idea of <laughs> hyperspace flying space whales. Um, <laughs> Uh, I just don't know. That said, this was done very well, yeah. probably as well as like maybe the fact that it was such a great sequence at the tail end of a, a previously great sequence that it did just work. It had no business. This has no business working. That should have been like, <laughs> what the hell are these stupid things? This is dumb. And yet I didn't. I yeah. didn't. And so Good. kudos. Um, I am intrigued. Uh, obviously, you know, having 
read up on on Rebels and everything, I know what this signifies and why this would be so exciting, not just for fans but for the characters themselves. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm not I wasn't like yes space whales. I was like ah, there's the space whales. Uh, and yet I came out at the end thinking, okay, all right, I'm I'm okay with this, I guess. Very dope, very dope. But with that said, um, let's get to our prediction segment. Uh, of the episode where we kind of talk about what we think is going to happen next, maybe eventually uh, throughout this series, uh, which which we like to call I want to know. I want to know. I got to learn how to say it. I want to know what's going to happen next. Uh, Kevin, do you have any any ideas? I know you're not normally one for for massive predictions here, uh, but Kev, I want to know what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, like it's so tough for me, especially not with having a, a background in the show where I think as fans coming into this, you have expectations and you're like, well, this hasn't happened yet, so I'm sure it will. Um, so my, my, my sort of, it's not even a prediction, but my thought, and it's almost like a question to you guys as fans, because mm. uh, I, like this, uh, Merrick is like the coolest character. Oh. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is, and there's nobody knows, right? I didn't realize that that is just as much a mystery for all fans. Uh, so I'm asking you guys almost, do we think the way he's under a mask, the way they're distorting his voice, is this character going to be somebody that we're familiar with? I mean, I've, this was, this is something that I included in my prediction. Uh, so I will get to that in one second. Um, I will just ask Darcy, do you have anything different that you want to predict before, before I, I bring up the Merrick of it all? <laughs> Again, as as much as I love this episode, it nothing, not a lot happens. Mm-hmm. It is really just a setup for for what comes next, and I think that's that what comes next will be you know a rematch between Shin and um, Sabine, yes, and that face off between uh, Balin and uh, Ahsoka that we saw in the trailer. Because again, they're they're clearly doing that in that star map area where Balin sends off his team to go hunt them. So we know a confrontation is coming. That's kind of the only thing I can say with. That was 100% certainty is that that confrontation will probably happen next week. But other than that, again, really hard to tell what's what's going to happen next because who knows? We got flying space whales and live action Star Wars. I'm not sure what to expect next. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 we've seen the trailers um, there in the trailer. There is that fight with Ahsoka and Balin, which I, I really think we'll get in the next episode. Um, Shin Hati in that trailer says, you have no power. Uh, and we can imagine she's shouting that to Sabine uh, and I think that shows frustration on her side I'm wondering if for my sort of my minor prediction uh, is that that Balin will choose to betray Morgan Elsbeth in this episode coming up uh, will not kill Ahsoka and will actually command Shin Hati to not kill Sabine because to me if her and Sabine get in another fight Sabine is not when did she train? She doesn't have the training. So unless something unlocks in Sabine that changes for her in this episode, which I think is is even at episode four is a little a little bit too early. Um, I just I don't understand how she bests Shin Hati in that moment. So my only logical explanation is that Shin Hati's told come back, don't don't continue your pursuit, don't fight her, uh, and she just yells at her. She's like, you, you, you suck, you have no power, something like that. I don't know, that's my, like my minor prediction. Um, now, to be fair, in episode seven, which I know we've already seen, but it takes place, well, I mean, we do see a completely untrained Jedi pick up a in lightsaber a forest. and best, <laughs> in yeah. a forest, yeah. exactly, thank you. best, <laughs> you know, and that's because Kylo's 
been wounded uh, or impaired in some way. Mm. What if Hu Yang helps out to to slow Shin down and give Sabine an edge to at least escape their confrontation? Interesting. What if Merrick is the one who betrays them? We get that Whoa. reveal of who Merrick is, oh, and that's why it's Ezra a... all along. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, there we go. Kevin... Setting up for Nate. So, setting up for okay. Nate. Here we go. Oh, sorry. That's okay. No, I do think. Okay, so in our in our Discord, shout out to our, our lovely Discord uh, username Brynvar, one of our friends, brought up the idea that it could be Ezra. This has kind of been percolating online that it could be Ezra. I gotta say, I don't hate the idea. I'm thinking if it is Ezra. Or potentially with the little niblet of, of Jason Sindula. I don't know if this one's as popular as the idea of being Ezra, but maybe it's a time displaced older Jason Sindula. I think it'd be really cool. He takes that mask off. He's got the green hair. He is a Jedi. That'd be a bit much for casual fans, I think. Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, now you're breaking all the Star Wars rules. <laughs> but I do think I think the idea of um, you know, if it is Ezra or Jason. It's 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 them trying to keep them away, right? They they it might be a bit of a stretch, but I feel like with all this timey wimey stuff that's being brought up with this series, I think that they have to stop them from trying to do whatever they're doing, or else Thrawn will win. There is a future outcome that Ezra or Jason uh, knows of that that will uh, you know result in the demise of of ahsoka or of everyone right that that he cares about uh and he, he has to stop them but they can't know who he is because it would break something in that that pursuit uh to try and stop them i think it would be really cool for them to to kind of reveal that character that way um i know last week we talked about the idea of it being barris Offi, uh who is a character from the clone wars that betrays uh, ahsoka um, and I, but I, you know, watching this episode really, really, and you know, hearing Hu Yang being like, they're called Purgle, and it's like, okay, it really reminded me that there are more audiences watching this than just the folks who did, you know, consume all the animated content. So, a reveal of Barris Offy, and to a certain extent, an older time warped Jason Sindula <laughs> might not work as well, uh, as Ezra. So, that would be a really cool reveal if it was Ezra, absolutely, absolutely. I agree, yeah. Um, all right, let's get to our overall thoughts and final score, which for this episode, we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five Purgle. One to five Purgle. Kevin, why don't you kick us off? Um, so I didn't get to give a score for the first two episodes, um, and and uh, I would I would probably have ranked those around the, the, the four to 4.2 area. I really enjoyed them. Uh, I think this show is doing... Um, things a lot. I'm enjoying the show a lot better than I did um, Obi Wan. I just think it's got a uh, you know there's there's a fun sense to it, but it's it's just I don't, I just find that it's telling a a, a more interesting story. Uh, I feel like there's more of a reason for this show to be taking place than I did with Obi Wan, especially earlier on in the mm-hmm. series. Um, and so I know that my opinion on this might be a little off uh, of the general consensus, but I actually this might be my favorite episode, despite the shorter runtime, nice, uh, and despite the, the the slower start. I think that second half, just containing 
what is some of my favorite live-action Star Wars in a long, long time, especially in the shows where I find the quality's a little wanting, especially like you take season three of Mandalorian, you take a lot of Obi-Wan, you take even uh, elements of uh, Book of Boba Fett. A lot of this, Boba Fett, just yeah. the, the, the last <laughs> 15, 20 minutes was awesome. Yeah. So well done, and if the show continues on that trajectory we're going to get some five scores in out here in no time uh but again for those 15 to 20 minutes alone i'm giving giving this one a 4.5 out Woo! of five purgles i am totally into the show now i'm so like even the you know hunt them down at the end i was like damn there's a good cliffhanger let's go next week can't come soon enough so yeah, yeah. i thought a lot was done right in this episode i'm totally in very cool darcy how about yourself i mean again i'm this the show has been consistently Hit is satisfying me, I'd say. I gave 4.5 for the first two episodes, and I'm going to say again that I'll be giving that score to this episode too. Wow. And a lot of that comes from the fact that there are a lot of satisfying and gratifying moments. We're getting a lot of those character moments that feel truer to form or truer to the characters that we, we knew from the animated series, and that I really enjoy. I guess I'm docking some points because, like I said earlier, it felt like nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. It was just a setup, and... and I, this was the perfect time to do it. If this was an episode six or seven or something like that, I would be feeling a lot, uh, uh, very differently. I yep. think I'd be more, more upset with the fact that nothing happened. So that's the only reason why this this episode is getting a, a bit of a docking. But it's it's four point five out of five. Uh, what was it? Pergol. Pergol. Just Pergol. Yeah, four four point five Pergol flying through the air. Don't ask me where the other half went. Oh no! I don't want to know. Oh no! It's a hyperspace accident. It's somewhere else in a different galaxy. Yeah, so good. You know, as she was doing that slice through that ship, she overextended a little bit, chopped a little <laughs> Pergol off. Um, yeah, dude, exactly what you were saying there. If this was a five or if this was episode five or six, I I would not be happy. But I think it's a very very solid episode mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. i'm really even happy i'm happy this isn't even an episode four i think this was just a you know it's there's a lot of uh really you know fantastic like hell yeah moments um i think you know i i, I think it, i'm a little i'm a little conflicted with it because again the 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 animation fan side of me says yeah let's go okay i know yeah Yang. i already know they're called <laughs> purgle okay duh but but the other side i have to consistently remind myself that you know that, that not not just audiences who've watched those uh, animated series are watching this series, uh, and so they have to find ways to give that needed uh, you know understanding and, and give that significance. And I think they do a pretty good job uh, of balancing both. Um, now that I've seen the episode a few more times. Uh, I think the highlights for me, absolutely. The meeting with Mon Mothma um, and giving us some of that Andor vibe. Ahsoka in space and giving us some of the Clone Wars goofy side, you know, snips uh, vibe. Uh, and then the Purgle moment. I was just, it, oh, it was, I was just like, there it is. We're ready. This is so beautiful. Um, I think all of those add to the adjustment for me from animation to live action. I think there were a lot of, you know, little things that are starting to be like, oh, okay, all right. They, 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 some of the complaints I had from episode one and two, it seems like they're already getting to those. Uh, and that's, that's awesome. But, but I'll be honest, I'm, like Darcy said, I'm ready to get to something new. I'm, I'm you know, I'm ready, I'm raring, uh, to the point where, like, I almost really hope that the next episode starts with the the chase and then the fight, and that's only in the first act. Uh, the next episode's like 42 minutes long, I think, uh, maybe give or take credits. Um, but that still in itself gets me so excited. I can't wait to see how this fight ends up in the next episode. Uh, and I'm more excited by the fact that 
everything we've seen in the trailers, aside from seeing Thrawn, the back of his head, and then his face, uh, we, you know, by the end of next episode, we will have, we'll have seen, we'll have seen all of that. So I think, I don't think we're going to get Thrawn next episode. I think that might be more of an episode five thing I'm hoping, or or maybe even six. Uh, But the fact that like, we've pretty much seen it all in the trailer so far is so exciting. Uh, And with episode five being five, uh, you know, two weeks from now being directed by Dave Filoni, Awesome. Uh, pacing issues aside, this episode did enough for me to maintain my excitement for next week and gave us some really good character moments. Frickin' Purgle. Uh, the Purgle alone brought my score up. Uh, and so I, I will <laughs> say I was at a 3-5 before entering into this conversation with you two. But the magic, the magic of Watch Club, like the mysteries of the Force, uh, you know, have brought me up to a solid 4 uh, out of five Purgle. I don't want to cut any Purgle in half. Um, so a four <laughs> out of five Purgle for this episode. Uh, yeah, it was better than I thought it was. Uh, but that is it for this week's Watch Club for Ahsoka, Star Wars Ahsoka Part 3. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, let me just use my Purgle voice to ask Kevin to let you know how to reach us. Well, as always, you can reach us by email at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. But if that's a little bit too much like politics in your Star Wars and you just want badass flippy dippies on a, the outside of a ship with lightsabers, hit us up on our socials. On Twitter, that can be done at geekcentricyt. And on in, it is Insta, right? Instagram, Instagram. Yes. and on Instagram <laughs> at We Are Geek Centric. Dude, I thought for a second you were gonna start doing Instagram. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the audience endured enough. Yeah, they definitely did. They definitely did. Yeah, we're also on Threads at We Are Geek Centric as well. Uh, catch us there. We're also on the TikToks. We have a Discord as well. That if you want to continue talking to us, uh, like Brynvar did about your theories on Ahsoka, we've got uh, the link in our description for you to uh, connect with us. And join our Discord, please do. We're having a lot of fun talking about all this geeky goodness over there. Um, and uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest summer releases out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Ahsoka Episodes 1 and 2, Only Murders in the Building Season 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, Haunted Mansion, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Plus, we have a ton of great interviews that you can go back and watch with all sorts of Star Wars folks, including the cast of Andor, including Genevieve O'Reilly, Mon Mothma, who we saw in this episode, as well as Katie Sackoff, who yielded who wielded the dark saber, uh, Bo-Katan, uh, in The Mandalorian, as well as directors Rick Famuyiwa, Deborah Chow. We also had a chat with Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker himself, uh, and of course the visionaries behind seasons one and two of Star Wars Visions, as well as so much more. So you can check those out here on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. I'm also back streaming on Twitch. You can catch me over at twitch.tv slash nateplaysgames. Join the Discord to find out when I'm going live. Uh, we play a lot of games. Sometimes we do giveaways. We got some really fun times. I'll sing for you if you want, maybe. We'll see. Um, and I, I definitely won't do whale noises ever again for you there. Uh, so <laughs> definitely join us over there. Um, there's going to be a lot to talk about as the hot 
Geek Summer begins its transition into the cozy geek fall. Uh, we've got some upcoming <laughs> reviews and our recap of Fan Expo 2023. Um, our, it, that is actually out now. So if you want to go back and listen to our recap of Fan Expo 2023, we had a great time. We actually talked about and, and listened to some Star Wars folks at that convention. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, and we'll have some additional coverage available on our YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. So look forward to all that as well. Darcy, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, and we're going to say, we are no Jedi on three. Yeah. Three, two, one. We We are are no no Jedi. No Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) You're already making me question the Purgles again. (laughs) No, no, they're great, Kevin. (laughs) 